What's up, y'all? Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's show is going to be a little bit different. You're going to hear exclusively almost from John Garcia. We recorded yesterday and the Internet was just so shaky that most of my stuff uh, is either really choppy or I'm frozen on video. But John provided elite content as always, and I think it's something that you need to hear from my audio listeners. I will post all of the questions that I asked him so that you can follow along for my YouTube video. Uh, YouTube viewers, I will also post all of the questions in the description um, so that you can follow along as well. We talked Peyton Kirkland, which you'll hear me in that part of the video. We talked JV and Tobiano and what he would look like uh, next to Malik Muhammad if he was to commit at Texas. We talked Jordan Matthews, the corner out of Baton Rouge. We talked comps for Cedric Baxter, likely Texas commit. We talk about TJ Shanahan and would Kyle Flood take another offensive lineman in this class. We talk about who will be the best player in this class outside of Arch Manning to end it off. Thank you, Longhorn Nation, for understanding, and I hope you enjoyed this video of John Garcia, Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, providing elite content on Texas commits and recruits, as always. Now, why would I go to Texas, said current Texas commit Peyton Kirkland. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host, John Garcia, director of football recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me once again, talking Texas recruiting like always. John, on Wednesday, July 20th, a crystal ball was put in for Peyton Kirkland to Texas, and it had all of the Texas fans going crazy because Peyton Kirkland had a top five that did not include Texas. After this crystal ball was put in, Peyton Kirkland responded to that crystal ball in a series of three tweets. The first one, fake news, 100 emoji. The second one, haven't even taken a visit or anything. And the third one, which I referenced earlier in the show, now why would I go to Texas? 72 hours later, he committed to the University of Texas. So, John, have you ever seen anything like this? And most importantly, what is Texas getting in Peyton Kirkland? JD, this is a great example of how social media has really kind of enhanced all of the aspects of sporting fandom and certainly recruiting fandom because it, it is real-time information. Um, Peyton Kirkland, a very unique personality. And look, you come down to my home state of Florida, a lot of unique personalities. And if you want to be a national recruiting program, you got to deal with it. And I think this is one of the best examples of that in the class of 23. You know, a few times, a few big name recruits have committed to a school sight unseen, but typically one, it's pretty early, right? They're a freshman, sophomore, maybe a junior in high school, and they just got that dream offer from Ohio State or Bama or whoever or Texas, and they just commit. Other times, it's kind of a, a late breaking situation, a kid who blew up as a senior, and then he starts getting offers around the end of his senior season. There's not a lot of time to take visits. And then, boom, signing day's here, and you got this big scholarship offer. And you're like, well, I've never been, but I've done all my virtual tours, and, and I've communicated with them, and I, and I feel good enough to go. This feels different, though. This, this is not one of those situations, like you said, top five, did not have Texas anywhere near it, um, and really the days leading up to this commitment, there was buzz shifting from program to program. 
think Florida had some early buzz. The combination of Michigan State and Oklahoma brought some. Uh, and then Miami was, was really the last school to hold a buzz for Peyton Kirkland, who's, of course, an in-state recruit for the Hurricanes and the Gators there. Uh, and then around that same time that you mentioned, July 20th, I started getting texts about Texas. And, and he was telling people in his circle, people close to him, that he was going to shock the world and pick Texas. And some of the sources that I dealt with with that information you know, had to double check. Like, are, are you sure Texas? Like, not a different UT or something else because there's no visit. And this, this is not a kid who's a late riser. This kid got offers his freshman year. Took a ton of visits everywhere. Went to went up to Michigan State. Went out to Oklahoma for goodness sakes, Florida, Miami a billion times, Florida State, etc. Never set foot in Austin as a recruit. So uh, this is something that you know does not happen quite often this time of year, especially with a kid who has accumulated offers since his freshman year. But like he said, some of the situations absolutely changed with some of those top uh, contending schools and. He initiated things with Texas, you know, which I think is another indication of where the program is. We talk about Kyle Flood all the time here. Uh, it's an indication on Kyle Flood's uh, buy-in, the, the buy-in and benefit of the doubt that he has created with Texas at the offensive line uh, position. Uh, and also just the general buzz uh, for UT, you know, following Arch, all that stuff. We've, we've It's been well documented. This is like number 13 or something since since Arch committed. I mean, I, I've, all that stuff is is not by coincidence. I, I believe zero O-linemen were committed when Arch committed, and now there are five. So it's like all of a sudden in less than a month, everything's kind of wrapped up. Uh, so that is the nature of a program getting red hot on the trail. It's the nature of a Floridian who has options, uh, and it's the nature of, uh, you know, spur-of-the-moment decisions from teenagers. You know, we still have to be prepared for that, even if we think we know what's about to happen. And and quickly, just what type of player is he? I mean, I know, you know, it's the O-line. You know, that, that's kind of different to evaluate. But is Texas getting a good one in Peyton Kirkland? Yeah, I think Peyton could be a swing prospect. He certainly wants to play tackle. Uh, his body is a little bit more built for, for the interior. I think he's more of a backside guard type prospect. But he's quite nimble for being 330, 340. I don't know what he's listed at right now. We've seen him in person multiple times this spring. Really nimble for his size to where it makes you think, man, if he could shed some weight, reshape his body like most of these high school kids can do when they hit the collegiate level, uh, things can really you know, materialize towards a tackle position. But I think right now, guard is probably the safest bet. I think right tackle could be a happy medium. So when, when you build offensive line classes and, and you build offensive line depth for Saturdays, you need some of those guys that can move around a little bit. You have your pure tackles. You have your centers, guys who are just geared towards snapping the ball. And then you need a whole lot of versatility in between. I think Kirkland fits one of those spots in between. Uh, but again, he he's graceful despite that immense frame. Uh, and I think that's why he became such a big name national recruit, really dating back to his freshman and sophomore year of high school. As someone who covers recruiting, he said himself he never even took a visit to Texas, yet this is the school he's pledged to play football at for the next three to four years. Like I said, as someone who covers recruiting, one of the best in the business, something or nothing? I think it's something. You know, it's it's something you have to keep an eye on. You know, I think Texas is one of these five or six schools, right, that are in contention for the number one class. And kids are going to want to have a, a seat at that table. So 
You think about other offensive line commitments. You think of the Texas board shifting as these senior seasons begin. You know, we, we get excited about rankings and stuff. And look, we're going to do our first ranking next month at SI, but it's July. You know, there's there's so much time between these kids making their, their final on-field impressions as seniors in high school that will ultimately shake the board. We, we know Sarkeesian, Flood, a lot of these guys at Texas – come from very well-established, organized programs, mainly Alabama, that really value what you do as a senior football player. So I think with these, these coveted schools that are close to filling up, right, schools that have 18, 20, 22 commitments, those schools are evaluating their own recruits just as much as they're evaluating uncommitted recruits because those spots are so coveted and there is so much onus on that senior season. So, yeah, I think there's still something to be said for, for watching this kid's recruitment. You know, he's he's obviously given us curveballs in the past. His situations have changed and he's tried to adjust accordingly. I know his quotes have been very compelling in terms of talking about his recruitment to date. Um, but, but such an abrupt turn late in the process always makes you think the door could be open for, for additional change, whether that's new offers for him, finally getting to Austin for a visit or Texas changing their game plan with him or other recruits. You just never know. That's something that should always kind of be a reminder to, to fans everywhere that this stuff can and will change in a hurry. Yeah, th those are some good comps. I mean, I think both of those players, Muhammad and, and Toviano, are as good as it gets at the cornerback position in this class. Both incredibly technical, big, physical players who fit the mold today. You know, I think Muhammad might have a little bit more raw torque than JT, but uh, JT's got some safety ability. I think he's got enough technique to play leverage and play that that boundary cornerback spot uh, to a T and complement what, what a cornerback like Muhammad does. So they actually would work well together. Think of Jonte Cook and a big Jalen Hale kind of wide receiver combination. That's what you're looking at with these two potentially flanking each other at the cornerback spot. And, and then all of a sudden we have to talk about the corner spot as one that Texas is commanding nationally, right? We already talked about quarterbacks, certainly the offensive line, wide receivers becoming that next spot. Why not corner for, for the next one? And I think with, with Tuviano, it's all about his timeline. You know, he is hinted at an early decision, which I think would be great news for Texas. We just talked about capitalizing on this momentum. The relationships he has with recent UT commitments uh, would certainly bode well. Texas has clearly gained momentum with him. So I do think... If he is thinking of a late July or August decision before his senior season begins, probably benefits Texas the most. I think if he goes more long term, some of the other schools we've talked about with him over maybe a longer period of time, Texas A&M, LSU, uh, could become more, um, I guess, easy to sell contenders. But, you know, it, this is another that feels like Muhammad, like Cook. It feels like a Texas and Texas A&M kind of deal. And the sooner kids in that vein want to make a decision that you've got to put the benefit of the doubt on the Texas side of that coin relative to A&M's recruiting class and, and consistency or lack thereof in, in this cycle. I think he's a little bit more balanced. You know, Jordan is a kid we've seen a lot at, at the seven on seven circuit. He's willing to play physical with you at the line of scrimmage, but he's got a little bit more finesse to his game uh, as well, which I think bodes well for the current state of college football, where it is certainly pass first space kind of game uh, where you need to be able to break on the football more so than uh, what we used to ask cornerbacks to do where you're, you're asked to flip your hips, bump at the line of scrimmage, come support the run, 
get underneath and cover two. It's a different kind of game now. All of that, for the most part, is is less important than it used to be. So I think uh, Matthews creates some of that balance at the cornerback spot. Tough, competitive kid. I mean, coming up in, in Baton Rouge and, and playing, you know, that type of New Orleans area competition is is elite. I mean, it's one of the best metro areas. That whole corridor on I-10, Mobile to New Orleans to Baton Rouge, you know, all the way to Houston. I mean, that's some of the best competition you're going to get uh, at the high school level. So when you talk about secondary prospects, you just expect those guys to be able to to fit and, and live up to some expectations pretty early. I think Matthews would be one of those uh, types of recruits. Now, his timeline is a little bit different than JT's, right? We think he's a much slower approaching type of prospect. Just one official visit in the books right now, uh, taking his time, going to see a lot of schools during the fall. Presumably, Texas uh, is still very much one of those as well. So I think that one is, is maybe a longer-term play for Texas, for Arch, for, for kind of that whole contingent that is making, you know, legitimate waves in Louisiana. You know, JD, you're wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates hat. So let's let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you can you can pick one of these two backs, really. I think his running style, you know, when he's coming downhill relative to his size and that physicality will probably remind you a little bit of Najee Harris, you know, the current Steelers running back. But then you think of him at this size, 6'1, 6'2, 210 pounds kind of floating out there, very, very light on his feet, excellent, and I mean excellent out of the backfield as a pass catcher, makes you think a little bit more of Le'Veon Bell with some of, of his ability to make you miss, run routes, and, and catch the football out in space. Uh, so either way, you're talking about a legitimate workhorse, focal point of the offense kind of back. Now, we don't think he'll have to be that at Texas, but certainly right now that's what Texas is selling him on. Hey, we're losing B. John Robinson. Why don't you just come – on in and, and help us fill that void going forward. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more in that in that comp range. The size, the the effortless effortlessness to which he moves with, and that receiving ability, which is so important in, in this day and age of evaluating running backs. Um, I, I think he's come as long away as any running back I've scouted in the last year or so with his progression as a, as a pass catcher. I mean, you can legitimately motion him out of the backfield and line them up one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker and feel really good about the entire route tree. And that's not something we say about 6'2", 220 very often in high school, college, or the NFL. Yeah, that's a big number. I mean, I think there's really no other way to put it. Uh, but at the same time, certain things in the margins push you towards saying, hey, we got to do what we got to do. And you talk about a valuable position. TJ Sanderhan's an offensive lineman. He's got a ton of tackle and guard experience. And he's an Austin kid. I mean, I know he's not from there. You know, he's from Florida, but he's in Austin. So the optics of saying no, in theory, to a kid like that, it's really hard to stack up. Rankings aside, and, you know, that's a whole different conversation. It's just hard to optically envision Texas saying no, especially, let's be honest, especially after losing some Austin battles so far, right, with Great House, Raylan James. I mean, there, there have been some – you know, interesting misses there. And I, again, I think Texas has already uh, res res responded and rebounded very well at that position, but you kind of need an Austin flavor to this class. I know Colton Vasek is still out there, the defensive end from Austin Westlake, the you know, guy TJ goes against every day in practice. You got to get one of those two to me. I think you got to salvage that, that 
desire for for local hyper local recruiting uh hard to do when you recruit so nationally and so well like texas has has become uh but you still have to address that that hyper local need and, and shanahan would be if that's a default that'd be a heck of a default to, to revert to i think you said it right there potential right if if they check every box who could be the best guy i think in that vein I'd probably go Jontae Cook just in terms of the total package of what he brings as a wide receiver, the explosiveness, the ability to change a game with one move, really. I mean, that that's just something that not everybody has in their bag. Now, he's got to polish up, get a little bit bigger, play a little bit more consistently, all the things that we want high school kids to do when they transition to college. So there's a lot of what if in there, but I think he's got enough juice to really – flip the script. But if you're talking about guys that I would bet on maybe above Jonte relative to this class, I'm going to the secondary. You know how I feel about Muhammad, but I love Derek Williams too. We talked about him when he committed. I think he is as safe a bet as there is in this class uh, for Texas. I think he is a balanced field general, captain of the defense kind of safety pretty early in, in his career. You know, I think his skill set will be one uh, that, that just translates from the jump at Texas. And that's such a need. It, it's one thing to have talent and length in the secondary. That's a, that's a given, right? Everybody wants that. But to, to have the guy who can kind of put the pieces together on the field uh, in that secondary, I think says even more. And I think, I really think Derek Williams could, could be that guy. So I'll go with him from the floor standpoint and I'll go with Cook from the ceiling standpoint, but you could really throw five, six, seven other names out there. That's how good this class is already. And, and we know more star powers on the way.